0: everyone has a particular lens through which they see the world some of us see the world through our jobs or our business some through parenthood through our family some of us through the pursuit of wealth or prestige and still others of us believe that the whole world like revolves around me if you're like our kids The whole world can be interpreted through Xbox, and everything can relate back to Call of Duty. But everybody has a worldview, that lens through which you see the world. The definition of worldview is a framework of ideas and beliefs through which an individual interprets the world and interacts with it. In other words, this is what drives you. Your worldview determines how you're going to approach your life, what you want to accomplish. What you believe in changes the way that you see the outcome of your life. I believe that the biggest single impact to our worldview is what we believe about Jesus. Christians are a very strange people because There is one event, more than any other, that shapes a Christian's worldview, and that is the resurrection of Jesus. What you believe about that dictates how you will then live your life. It changes everything. Well, happy Easter, y'all. Christ is risen. Christos anesti. Ah, see, I knew I was pushing my luck on that one. Well, um, if you know me, you know that I think that it's important that we not only spend time thinking through our faith in a meaningful way, but that we need to build it. Right? We have to build our faith with our own two hands from the ground up, so to speak. So that it's not my parents' faith, it's not my wife's faith, or my husband's faith, or I'm not doing it for my kids. It's my faith. I own it. And that kind of faith drives us and defines who we will be in this life. And for whatever reason, On Easter morning, more than any other day for me, I always feel like we should do a reality check on what it is that I really believe, what it is that you really believe. And maybe it's because it's the biggest religious holiday of the year, or that the resurrection of Jesus that we have come together to celebrate today is just so unbelievable, right? And yet, the entire Christian faith hinges on this one belief, that Christ is risen. Nothing shapes our worldview and drives how we live out our life in this world more than our belief about Jesus. So, this morning, what I want to do is to lay out a framework for you of a Christian worldview for you to consider. And admittedly, it's going to be a little funky just because of the source that it comes from. All right? So I have subtitled this message, The Gospel According to Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> primarily because I'm going to use a quote of his, believe it or not, as an outline for this message. But for those of you who may not remember, or who weren't even born yet, Donald Rumsfeld was the Secretary of Defense back in the early 2000s under President George W. And he was known for being one of those politicians who, when asked the difficult questions, he was like the master of skirting the issue. Like, he would completely avoid answering the question at all, and whatever it is that he said would leave everybody sitting there scratching their head going, what did he just say? So, for instance... When he was asked if the White House knew the whereabouts of where Osama bin Laden was back in the day when they were still chasing him, Donald Rumsfeld responded by saying, we do know of certain knowledge that he, Osama bin Laden, is either in Afghanistan or in some other country or, in fact, dead. (laughs) Well, that narrows it down, doesn't it? And then, when the press confronted him on the fact that he seemingly contradicted himself in a statement about an earlier statement that he made, he responded by saying this, I believe what I said yesterday. I don't know what I said. But I know what I think. And well, I assume it's what I said. (laughs) Wouldn't you like to be able to get away using that response when you're in an argument with your husband or wife? And then, of course, one of the jobs of the Secretary of Defense is to staunchly defend the president to the end, because after all, he is your boss. And so when confronted about if President Bush was correct about a statement he made, Mr. Rumsfeld replied, needless to say, the president is correct. Whatever it was he said. (laughs) Because of course, the president is always right. And by the way, so is my wife. So as a free gift for you, gentlemen, this morning, you just take this quote home and you live by that, and I'm telling you, it's going to be a good year for you. But my favorite quote given by Rumsfeld is the one that I'd like to use today, which is, when asked in a news briefing about the lack of evidence about the infamous WMDs, remember that, the weapons of mass destruction, Rumsfeld replied with the following, there are known knowns. These are the things that we know that we know. We also know that there are known unknowns. This is to say that there are things that we know that we don't know. But there are also unknown unknowns. There are things that we don't know that we don't know. Well, as crazy as that sounds, this, my friends, is the thesis for your Easter message. Believe it or not, it actually lays out a pretty decent framework of a Christian worldview because in the Christian faith, there are known knowns. There are things that are clear to us, and we know them as much as we know right from wrong. And then there are known unknowns. The things that we know, but the truth is we really have no idea about them. And then, of course, there are the unknown unknowns. These are the wild cards. These are the things that we don't even know that we don't know. For thousands of years, mankind has been trying to find the answers to the mysteries of life. Is there a God or not? What happens after we die? Is there really a heaven? And the answers to these questions can fall into one of these three categories. The no-knowns. The known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. There's a passage in the Bible that really inspired me to um, use this topic today. And it's the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 in the New Testament of the Bible. And he says this, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Well, in this passage, the Apostle Paul is saying that God is frustrated. He's frustrated because it is God's opinion that he has provided us with enough information to know that he, in fact, exists. No question. In other words, he is a known known. Paul says that God has taken away all the excuses, all of our hemming and hawing about the existence of God, and he has made it very abundantly clear, God is real. And yet, people still live as if he doesn't exist. And it certainly seems like this is true, because when you look at the number of people who say that they are true atheists, these are the people who say, absolutely, I do not believe that there is a God who exists. There are only two and a half percent of the people in the U.S. who believe that. That means the overwhelming majority, the other 97.5%, believe that there is a God in some form. I'm not saying all these people are Christians and follow exact beliefs that we believe, but they believe that there is a God. Which backs up what Paul is trying to say here when he says that God has made it incredibly clear that he's real. All you have to do is just look around. So, for example, an atheistic worldview would say that the creation of the world is just a big mistake, that there was this accidental collision, and then, oops, there it is, right? From a Christian worldview, the way the world was created is no accident. It was intentional. We live in a very precise world where everything works perfectly. I mean, just the earth rotating on its axis while at the same time orbiting around the sun at the exact distance that we need to be from the sun so that the sun doesn't turn the earth into just this big fireball. And all the while, the moon is orbiting around us and all of this is happening without anything ever colliding. One little slip, just one little minutiae off And boom, it's all finished. And it's all worked so perfectly from the beginning of the time. Ask yourself, does that seem like an accident to you? One of the world's leading experts in molecular science, his name is Dr. James Tour. He's at Rice University down in Houston. And this guy is a genius. In fact, I don't usually do this, but I would encourage you guys to look up his blog. It's probably the most reasonable explanation between creation and evolution that I've ever read. It's, It's worth your time reading. But he's a scientist, and he understands every aspect of how molecules and atoms are made up. And he said this. I stand in awe of God because of what he has done through his creation. He said, only a rookie who knows nothing about science would say science takes away from faith. If you really study science, he said, it'll bring you closer to God. The bottom line is that it simply takes more faith for me to believe life could have been formed by accident than the belief that God is behind the whole thing. Just the complexity of every aspect of life points towards the existence of a creator. And so Paul is saying that God made himself known to you. He has taken away all of our excuses, and he is a known known, and he is as plain as the nose on your face. But what's frustrating God is that even though he knows that we know People are living as if they don't know. Just because we know God doesn't mean we know God. Then there's a part of the scripture that acknowledges that there's also some known unknowns. In verse 19 of that same passage, it says, Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, Well, the key word in that verse is that word may. What may be known about God, or what is possible to be known about God, has been made known to them, which leads me to throw on my superhero cape and become Captain Obvious and say that there are certainly, it's certainly implying to me anyway that while it may be known to me that there is a God, there's a whole lot more that we don't know. There's a whole lot of unknowns. About God. In fact, I would say that there are more unknowns than there are knowns. I would go as far as to say that what I know about God is just scratching the surface of the magnitude of God. Unfortunately or fortunately, however you view it, the known unknowns, I think, makes up most of the Christian faith. And while God has given us enough evidence... To have faith, by its very definition, faith accepts the fact that there are simply things in this life that we don't know and will never know. Listen to the biblical definition of faith. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible, a.k.a. what is known was made from that which is unknown. I find this scripture incredibly insightful, not just because of its clear and concise definition of faith, but because it also contemplates the unknowns. For whatever reason, God decided, and he designed, that this whole thing would be that we would not live by fact. But in fact, we should live by faith. Have you ever asked yourself, what is it that I really believe? In my heart, believe to the point that I am going to stake my life on it. In my opinion, if you're going to build a faith for yourself that is sustainable, there are certain things that you have to make a decision about. And by the way, not making a decision is a decision. You're going to have to decide about what you believe about the unknowable. And it's only faith that can bridge the gap between what is known and what is unknown. And there is one belief that shapes the Christian worldview more than any other. And that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Talk about the great unknown. Raising from the dead. That's a game changer. And we have no idea how that happened. We read that God raised him from the dead, but seriously, how does that happen? The fact that Jesus was able to raise from the dead what we believe about that shapes and defines how it is that we're going to live out our lives. In other words, believing in a resurrected Jesus, it changes everything. In the book of 1 Corinthians in the New Testament, chapter 15, it says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? In other words, life after death. If there is no resurrection of the dead or life after death, that not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so, by the way, so is your faith. There's no point to any of it. Believing in the resurrection of Jesus, it changes how I live. Because if we believe that he's conquered death, then by default, we believe that there is a life after this one ends. And if we believe that, then we believe that what we do in this life, how we live out our days, matters. We give a rip, not because we think it's accidental, but because we think everything is intentional. If we believe in a resurrected Jesus, it changes the way we pray. Because if we believe that Jesus can actually be raised from the dead, then there's really nothing that he can't do. And it opens up a whole new world of possibilities. The resurrection of Jesus, it wakes up the spiritual side of our life that has been dead. And our worldview gets bigger than just this three-dimensional view of what we can see and hear and touch, of what we can know. Because all of a sudden, your worldview becomes otherworldly and very unknown. When you realize that Jesus really did raise from the dead, that anything is possible, you thank God because you know that there is something beyond this life, something beyond this daily grind that we do every day. And it all comes down to just one word. Faith. Can you find the faith inside of yourself to believe in the known unknown of the resurrection and all the unknown unknowns that come with it? Can you find a faith in him that's strong enough to reconstruct your worldview and see what is unknowingly possible we all put our faith in something and the question is what is it that you will put your faith in I'm a bit of a skeptic and if you're like me then you've lived out a lot of your days trying hard not to believe in God because believing in God it's scary There are so many unknowns. And if you are like me, then you're a knower. You want to know. You need to know. You think you know, but you don't know. I don't know. The problem is I can't know. And it's almost like we don't want to put our hope in God because it's too good to be true. That we could live out our days in a beautiful life, step out of this world and into the next, into this heavenly realm that is supposed to be so perfect and so incredible. But what if it's not? What if it's not true? What if I put my faith in God and at the end of the day, he's just not there? What if I was wrong? In Romans, Paul says, this is the message concerning faith that I want you to know. If you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scriptures say, anyone who believes in him will never, ever be put to shame. If you believe in your heart that Jesus has been raised from the dead, it changes everything. But what gives me hope is that last line when it says, anyone, anyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. I hold on to that promise for dear life. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be put to shame. I just want to believe. So this is where faith begins. This is where we face the tough questions head on and we're forced to make a decision about what we believe and what we don't. And when we do that, when we answer those tough questions, when we make those kinds of decisions to ourselves, that's when faith begins. That's when we begin to build it. That's when you own it. While I am sometimes embarrassed to call myself a Christian because of all the things that are done in the name of Christianity, I am never embarrassed to call myself a follower of Jesus Christ. When I cut through the fog of all my doubts, Jesus is the only thing that I have found in this world that makes any sense to me at all. Everything he said, everything he did rings true with me, and I have to say I believe, I believe, and Easter changes everything, it changes the way I see the world, it changes the way that we act at work, it changes my attitude toward money, it changes the way that I speak or treat my husband or wife. It changes what we dream about. It changes what we strive for because now the known unknown that Jesus conquered death gives my life purpose. And suddenly, my faith becomes real. In Acts chapter 17, it says that when the Apostle Paul was in Athens, he came across an idol that had the inscription that said, to an unknown god. It seems the Athenians tried to figure out all of the mysteries of life by creating idols for everything. And so they created an idol that was a god to the sun and an idol that was a god of the harvest and a god of the moon. And just to make sure all their basis was covered, they had one to an unknown god, just in case they missed one. And so when he spoke up on Mars Hill, To all the great philosophers and teachers that gathered there to hear him speak in Athens, the Apostle Paul said this This God that you have said is unknown, I am about to make known to you. And he began to preach about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just in case you were wondering, the unknown God that you know deep in your heart exists? The unknown God that you have cried out to in your darkest, most desperate moments of your life, that God, that is the same God that raised Jesus from the dead. And the question is, Will you move from him being the unknown God in your life to the God who is known by you? To the God that you believe in, that you'll stake your life on, that you will put your faith in? Because we are now without excuse. Because we know, right here, God knows we know. There are a lot of known unknowns in this world. And there are a whole lot more unknown unknowns, the stuff that we don't even know yet that we don't know, until that day that we stand before God. And on that day, I promise you this, on that day, we'll know. know but until that day it's okay that I don't know I can't know but I can believe and in the meantime I'll keep walking by faith through this world because I tell you what I'll believe in fact you know what if you believe what you read on the screen, I would love to celebrate Easter with you by just sitting here and just saying out loud what it is that we believe together. So if you believe this, will you say it with me this morning? I believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth and lived among us as one of us. I believe He lived a perfect life until he was killed on a cross for my sin. I believe that on that cross, he conquered sin. And he offers us forgiveness and grace as a free gift. And I believe he was buried in a tomb and a stone was rolled into place. And a soldier stood guard to make sure he didn't get out. And I believe that on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And today, he is alive and well and wants to be in my life. I have made my choice, and I am putting my faith and my life in the hands of Jesus, who conquered death.